you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination in godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, welcome to you Friday. It's the Friday edition of Erin yes. Addison's, which means we do a recap and then also look at maybe some things that are in the news. We take a bunch of calls. We try to take a bunch of calls mm-hmm. uh, on a Friday, and uh, we'll do that. We'll also get to, I think, I want to, so I say, you know, fam mail, right? Family yes. mail, fam mail, to play on words. Um, <laughs> but I really do mean that. Like when, oh, when yeah. comments come in from members of the Lord's bride, like this is our family. This is the family of God. And, um, and, and like, I'm serious about that, but I'm kind of conflicted. So I would say like, I would, I would, I would want to say, okay, so I got an email. I'm not, I don't know. And, and please understand. It's not that I would say, because <laughs> this is going to sound so funny, but it's true. And, and it needs to be said. Um, it's not because I would say that someone disagrees with me that I don't know if they're in the family of God. Oh, like that would that would be so arrogant, right? Like, okay, right. So, but there are certain things that um, people say and the way they say things that kind of makes me question their love for the bride and the members of the Lord's church that I would say, well, I don't know. Are you... Do you just disagree with some of the things that I'm saying or do you disagree fundamentally with my position? You know what I mean? Mm. And so if there is a fundamental disagreement, if there is a foundational disagreement, then, you know, there are some things that just characterize believers that they're they're non-negotiable. They're not gray areas they're black or white. And we all agree on those issues because those things are like shaping for the Christian, it says right. you're a Christian. You know right. what I mean? So anyway, um, but we did get an email yesterday by um, from a concerned listener who who wrote um, a problem with my um, being hypocritical. Wrote about a problem with my <laughs> being being um, hypocritical and um, and equating that to just what evangelicals do. That's mm. just what evangelicals do. It is that kind of terminology that would make me question whether or not we are in the same family. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's not, when we define what yeah. evangelical is. I mean, yeah, like we, that's every yeah. Bible believing Christian would yeah, be, you I know, mean, if you know, if you know what that definition <laughs> I is, I guess that's yeah. Right. Right. And we've yeah. talked about that many times, you know, <laughs> the, the, the definition of an evangelical man, it applies to, it, it, it goes beyond like uh, ethnicity and all that stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, oh yeah. wow! Somebody's cutting the grass or something. Um, <laughs> like I feel like I feel like right at the window. Hey, <laughs> I, I want to. I, I want to be like one of those people. I want to be like get off the lawn, and it's you know it's probably not <laughs> my lawn. Uh, just real close. Anyway, uh, yeah. So I just you know I want to be careful because I think when people express um, certainly disagreement, but also agreement or when people have questions, I think that there are often, and this is not profound. It's just reality. There are questions beneath those questions Mm -hmm. and there are objections beneath those objections that I think often go 
unaddressed because maybe there is offense in the way that the question is delivered or the way the objection is delivered. And so I don't want to do that. And I say that even in myself that that's my inclination is to be at once annoyed when I am wrongly accused of something. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I don't think communicating with that annoyance is helpful. You know what I mean? I think sometimes it just becomes like a, Man, something's really close. Some, it just becomes like a... <laughs> it's going to come get you? What's I, going on? Well, I mean, <laughs> the zero turn is coming. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what's going on. Like, this is live radio, and uh, normally we, you know, can broadcast in... In peace. No. My, people, my, my people all know what's going on during this time, and so usually we have a collective agreement that... Uh, Somebody's not uh, sticking to the script. <laughs> Somebody is not a... <laughs> we have, have a meeting. We have a neighborhood watch meeting. And just <laughs> hey, everybody, who was cutting grass at Two Central? Y'all know what she does. <laughs> it stopped. Oh. Uh, it stopped. Probably uh, <laughs> one of the neighbors oh, was like, "Oh man, I'm sorry. Can you hear that? Who come knocking on the door? Hey, listen, I'm working. I am working. This is oh, remote boy. working, and you are ruining my life right now. You're." <laughs> I just wanted to bring you some cookies. Okay, well, I'll take the cookies, but you go now because you just ruined the show. Uh, anyway, I think they figured it's Friday before like 4th of July. Aren't you off? No, I'm not. I'm not off. I'm working. That's what I'm doing. I'm working here. Okay. We have a collective neighborhood agreement. You don't mow between two and three. It's hot. Anyway, why would you like it? You need to be doing that in the morning. It is. We hot. don't want you to it mow over is. here dead. Like people are really literally and not to make light of it. But you know what? I'm, there's something. It's, yeah, it's, it's hot. really hot. We Ooh, yeah. usually go for a family walk in the evenings. And um, yesterday now we didn't walk yesterday. Um, oh, this is going to sound so pious, but it's just the fact. Oh, I, we didn't walk yesterday because our fit. We had prayer. Mm-hmm. We love Jesus more than you. <laughs> no, but uh, but on our way on our way to church, like we were again on our way to church. <laughs> such good people. Um, we were you're, you're outside. It's ninety two degrees, and it's like seven fifteen. Ninety two degrees at seven fifteen, <laughs> and so normally, you know, we were commenting how man normally we're walking during mm-hmm. that time, and you can tell there's a battle between the evening breeze and the heat. Right. And I feel like the heat was like, no, you know, and the breeze was like, please. And the heat was like, I said, no, you know, mm-hmm. and you get out and you feel it. It's just like, oh, oh, man. Yeah. I mean, anyway, but this is happening in more places than just Mississippi. It's happening in New Orleans. It's oh, happening man. in Texas. Certainly oh, happening in Texas. Texas. Uh, some yeah. parts of Tennessee. So just yeah. all kinds of different things going on. Then you got a haze over certain parts of the country and people trying to determine <laughs> what that really is and where it's really coming from. And. Could it be fires in Canada? I, there's just so much going on, right? That for the believer, my goodness, we need to make sure mm-hmm. that we have uh, are, are in relationship with the Lord and ongoingly are nurturing that relationship, right? Like yes. understanding the times that we live in. So anyway, Will the Great, let's do a recap of this week. And then I want to respond to, <clears throat> excuse me, one email that I got that I that I feel bad now because the mowing has stopped. And so I I, I wonder... <laughs> I, oh, I wonder if like you know our neighbor was like oh man <laughs> sorry meek it's a just do it later there's always time in the, in the afternoon when it when it gets a little when it gets a little uh cooler at, at the next at the yeah. next uh at the next neighborhood cookout we won't get invited <laughs> and then we'll know what happened we'll be wow. like wait a minute why are all the
<laughs> oh, let me see. She cutting out. Am You're I, cutting out, yeah. Blame the neighbor. Uh-huh. The neighbor's probably <laughs> cutting all the, all the communications like, oh, you want to blast me? Fine. Let's see what happens if you lose your wifey. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's Friday. It's Friday. And because I'm going to have to deal seriously with an email here in just a second, we should get all of our laughter out now. We should just have a good time now. Uh, we started off the week talking about one year after Roe. The church still has some internal checks that we've got to wrestle with. Um, mm-hmm. Are we going to agree with God on what he says about children? So we had a conversation about that. That'll be important, actually, when we get to an email here, because that is referenced in this email. And so we'll deal with that. And then on Tuesday, we talked about holy distractions and mm-hmm. looking at how, you know, when Christians uh, stand faithfully and adhere to the word of God, but also unashamedly proclaim that adherence, then we can become a distraction to companies and organizations that would want to mm-hmm. shove an ideology into our faces and say, agree and celebrate, right. um, even like be a billboard, a walking billboard for something that the Lord condemns. And so we were looking at the National Hockey League. Uh, kind of taking their cues from somewhere. And and some of our listeners Mm. think that there's probably more to this than just the players. So it'd be interesting to see what really drove their decision to not force players to wear pride paraphernalia on their warm-up suits um, or sweatshirts or whatever. Uh, But that we talked about what it looks like to be a holy distraction, Mm. right? right? Like that God would be glorified in our resistance. And then on Wednesday, Will the Great, you had a guest. Yeah, Philip uh, Buttram of the Gospel Tract Society. Mm-hmm. And um, it, was a, it, was, it was great. He had some powerful stories of how God has used those tracts uh, in ministry and witnessing to people, like how a tract may start off somewhere. You know, someone may give it to someone who discards it, but then ends up in someone's hands who reads it and, and uh, it becomes born again, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it's just amazing how God's word will not return void. Like it will accomplish where it is sent, you know? And yeah, so, amen. uh, you know, tracts, uh, really reminded me of my dad too. You know, he mm. said, <laughs> I talked about him having a fanny pack <laughs> and full of tracks <laughs> that he would, <laughs> would wear and, and <sighs> go out and witness Those and stuff the like days. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so it was, it was a great conversation. Um, you know, just with, about tracks and mm-hmm. things like that. And, you know, some people may think those things are outdated, but, man, God really used those um, those words on the page, you mm-hmm. know, to be able to uh, convey the message of Christ. And so it was pretty powerful. Yeah, absolutely, especially when you hear the testimonies of people who have received tracks just to appease the person handing them out, but mm-hmm. then at the right time they look over, they've kind of <laughs> reached this point of no return or rock yeah. bottom or whatever, and there's this track that they just happen to have, like those types yeah. of, yes. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, so, so there's something to be said about that. Yes. I don't know. I will say this. I don't necessarily think the tracks are outdated, mm-hmm. but maybe carrying them in a fanny pack. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if people do it still, you know, my dad did that. And, you know, that was years ago. Which so. is so precious. Like, I, you know, and, and I would say that if your dad were still, were, uh, still here with us, I would yeah. clown him now about the wearing of the fanny pack. And he had the kind of personality that he could handle it. Oh, yeah. Like, he would go back with me, right? (laughs) He probably would try to bring the fanny pack back. like Because it's kind of made a sort of like a comeback, you know, I think among some people. She does. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) It's crazy how you say, because they, for for them, that's like retro. It's Mm. like, you know, it's like, which does something to your mind when your fashion becomes (laughs) retro. You know, you're like. 
No, it's there's not <laughs> been enough time for that. Yeah. Um, on Thursday, we discussed the fact that people are not puppies, that people are not puppies mm. and that children uh, should not be treated as some sort of designer item that That's you right. just, you know, imagine for yourself and then seek to secure and how we have to be very careful about that. Um, I refer to a story, an account out of California of a uh, surrogate mom who developed uh, just an aggressive form of breast cancer and needed to undergo treatment. Mm. Um, the piece doesn't say, but I would presume that it's like a chemotherapy. And she wanted to deliver the baby that she was carrying for a couple, mm. um, a homosexual couple. And yeah. she wanted to deliver that baby at 24 weeks and then even said, you know, she would adopt the baby or there was another family that would be interested in adopting the baby. And the couple who had hired her said no, mm. no, they didn't want this particular couple didn't want. I have a hard time with the pronouns, right, but didn't <laughs> want their DNA out there. Uh, yeah. And so basically, if the baby were born, the baby was not to be saved. There, there was not to be any life saving measures taken and that this couple who had hired this womb just wanted a death certificate. And so our conversation on that yesterday was just these just to have the conversation. These are the kinds of conversations that we need to have in culture where we wrestle with the tough questions. And when we talk about IVF and we talk about surrogacy, because it's so common mm -hmm. and you see a lot of celebrity celebrities doing this, mm -hmm. it almost has become very normal in our culture. Um, um, I'm thinking of, I just read an article yesterday and probably because heightened, heightened awareness after doing this program. Um, oh my goodness. I, I'm drawing a, a blank on uh, John legend and his wife, um, oh, I forgot. Christy, yeah. Christy Teigen. Yes, um, that's right. they, I read an article yesterday that um, I think they just welcomed a baby by surrogate. And I don't know if it was the second baby or the fourth baby, but it seems like she did a combination of carrying children and then she experienced a miscarriage. And then, but she just felt like she was supposed to be a family, have four kids, something she always wanted. So she got pregnant and then had a surrogate kind of get pregnant within the year so she just recently had a baby and then the surrogate delivered a baby for her and these are the kinds of stories that are just almost normal I remember a few months back when they were doing in vitro and she was just casually talking about what she wanted to have implanted yeah let's we want a girl let's do that let's go with this sort of like just wow. you know yeah pick your item kind of a thing and that's <laughs> concerning to me Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio we'll take the break and we'll be right back Living for the most high, feeling like I won't die. Before I get to meet him, I'ma see him crack the whole sky. Everything he teaching me, I'm speaking through the flow now. And it's even sweeter than before now. Got me yelling God over my name. Christ over fame, be the same me before they added lights to my name. Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. Appreciate you listening. Just asking for prayer and intercession. Um, our daughters are like driving. Trying um, <laughs> try and, and any parent you remember either for yourself what that was like <laughs> or you remember teaching your kids how to drive and all of what that is you know we have <laughs> we've kind of taken it slowly we don't feel like just because you're this age you should automatically just be dry I mean you know right it's it's good right yeah. um, but just you know based on their um, their interest and their ability 
And um, <laughs> and I, I I will say this. Um, I felt like when I was when I was younger, I was really really ready to drive like very early. I just was I was fascinated with cars and fascinated with going places. I remember like sitting behind the wheels of cars like they were parked, but in my mind I just drove all around town. Mm-hmm. Like you know what I mean. And so just really ready. Um, and I thought that you know should I ever be in a position where I am teaching my kids because I also taught my younger siblings to drive, right? So I thought this this will be easy. <laughs> um, and But I think somewhere between, you know, being cool and not having a lot of concern about stuff <laughs> and now, <laughs> right. oh, man, boy, am I different. <laughs> and, and I understand my mom a lot better, like when she was trying to work with me and my sister, my older sister, and just that like that, that, you know, parents, you know what I'm talking about. It's yeah. the the yell that starts as a whisper. You know, it's the stop, stop, stop. <laughs> you, that. You know what I mean? It's that. Yeah. And, and what are you uh, doing? Like, and because you're trying to not alarm the kid, but right? You, you want, don't want them to obey but you what want, you're but saying, please, like stop. quickly. Like, you know what I mean? And so, hey. man, I have found oh, that, no. and we don't take a class for that, parents. We don't take a class <laughs> for that. That is something that the Lord gives you, and what a blessing, you know, that you can have that. uh that rising yell that mm. kind of starts low. Um, but man, it's, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Yeah, I, uh, look, I, I tell you. Yes. <laughs> yes. I tell you. I mean, we might have to do the tag team. You know what I'm saying? I like, think we, we might have tagged me in. Yeah. But one of my problems, I say problems, it's not a problem. <laughs> not a problem at all. It's an that? issue. Issues. Okay. It's mainly with the, the man child. See, uh, because, and I had a, t- yes, I had to talk with him. I was like, because he kept asking the, Come on, can I drive here? Can I do this? Can I? Oh, I said, dude. if you keep asking me, I said, I, I, I feel like that's overconfidence. It's I need pressure. you to be sober. Yeah, yeah. you know, because yeah. he feels like I got this. I can, yeah. you know. Yeah, and driving I'm a like, few golf carts around. Yeah, the so you feel like, feels you know, like yeah, I'm like, hold on, man. I need this is a sober time. You need to yeah. have your mind right, not thinking, yeah. you know. So that's one of the uh, issues. I'm I like, think there's a balance. There's somewhere I'm. I'm somewhere. There's a <laughs> like. There's a healthy middle ground. For me, because I, I want a little bit of confidence, just a little bit, not too mm-hmm. much to where it's like, I was going to stop. No, I said stop now. <laughs> like, I meant I meant punch it. Like, you know, I, you know, so there's somewhere between that and the, you know, another car comes and then yeah. you try to move. No, you can't. You have to stay in your lane. You, you know, can't just move. Like, and, you know. And so with the yeah. man child, you know, I said, okay, <laughs> I'm going to park here and get oh, it. Good, and, good and, grief. And I think... That, you know, I don't want him to be over overconfident, but no. I do want him to be confident. But I'm not sure if what I did helped no. or hurt. I'm probably my, hurt. Because <laughs> now he feels like, you know, probably I hurt. drove from here to here. Yeah, and I'm, he feels I'm like, like he can fly uh, a plane. I can fly a plane. <laughs> yeah. You drove, anyway. into your, you drove into your neighborhood. You remember those days? I, I said I say to the kids all the time, like I remember growing up, the, the question, the number one question was, can I take it from here? Can I, can I take it from here? Yeah. Just from here, from this point. Like, you know, and, you know, and probably I don't know then what my mom was calculating. I know now um, what I'm calculating when I look around, like number of mailboxes we might have to replace. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? How many ditches? Um, what, what do you have? What is that? Is that a, is that a drainage thing? Like, what is that? Because that could do some damage. I mean, it's just it's a whole other level. I remember people saying. Um, people talking about your prayer life increasing as your kids get older, mm-hmm. you know, and you think a lot of the spiritual things, and that's all true. Yeah. That's all true. Yeah. Um, but man, it's just some of the basic it, life things that you're right. like, oh. It's something. When I got on that passenger side, 
I felt a little scared. I was like, because you're totally out of control. (laughs) Like, yeah, I'm not in control. I'm like, yeah, okay, it's not (laughs) going to do this, but it's not a good feeling. But he did, he did a good job. So it makes you. I bet some of our listeners have stories to share about that. Um, Now, look, let me say this when we (laughs) open the phone lines. Uh, if you got a really bad story to share, like, <laughs> probably let the Lord lead you on that. I feel yeah, we like don't want to hear no bad I feel news. like He's saying no, don't share that. <laughs> but no you bad news. pray. <laughs> I just don't want the person like I remember oh. taking little Barbara out, and she drove us into the neighborhood pool. I just that was <laughs> no, that was a thing where I just you know, but the Lord was mighty and merciful, and we were able to drive out. <laughs> No bad news, please. <laughs> Encouragement. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they that. overcame. Oh, my goodness. It's different. You you think that you go into a situation because of what you've done, but it's different being in a different seat. You know yeah, what I mean? And, and learning and all of that. And so a lot of this, that's though, a part of it. A lot of this, like with the parenting, yeah. I have a greater uh, um, you know, appreciation for my parents. Don't I really you know? do. Because yes. I didn't know that <laughs> certain thing. I'm like, man, y'all went through that. Man. Oh, sorry. Uh, being on this side, I'm like, wow. Like, dude, y'all, thank putting, y'all. Appreciate it. <laughs> your life, putting your life in somebody else's hands. And then I think about even, you know, when I drove, when I went to college, I think about, um, you know, getting on the interstate. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember that from a perspective of like, oh, you know, mom trusts me or mm-hmm. like to be afraid. It's just we're man, going. Yeah. Let's go. Here we go. It and has to happen. You, you know, it's man, like one of those things. Because where... now I'm at the place where I'm like, man, I don't know. I think just, <laughs> you know, un- until until the Lord returns, you might just drive around the neighborhood where we got some parking lots at. Because you talk about it... the highway. That's a whole different Good level. Grief. Oh, my I goodness. No. Maybe by the time. <laughs> Where where is Elon Musk? Because what I would like <laughs> a flying is car? I would like what? well, that, but, but, yeah, but that's not same thing. with other flying cars. <laughs> right. I just want mine to fly. It's one highway. Want, because if you, you have flying cars, then true. you have the same problem. You yeah, got other true, vehicles true, within reach. Yeah. <laughs> but here's what I would like, and this is sort of like an Elon Musk kind of like meet the Jetsons type thing. <laughs> I would like to be able to kind of get it out, get it going on the interstate, mm-hmm. and then have a like automatic, you know, takeover, and then switch seats, and now you just take it from here. And then we're, you know, can you do that while you're actually moving and then not have to stop and then have the merge on to the mm. 70 miles an hour? I, I just, And the, I the big know. old trucks passing. And, oh, okay, all talk right. talk about that. Yeah, let's move on. You know, on. I, I'll tell you, what, I'll tell you what, I, what I've thought about doing. I think I'm going to do this. Um, I think I'm going to get me one of those yellow cones that says, you know, student driver something, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, that just goes in the window. You know what I mean? One mm-hmm. of the triangles. And if that doesn't do it for people to really watch out for us, maybe get one of those like almost sort of like a Domino's pizza style thing <laughs> with a big, big <laughs> blinking, you know, like student driver, pray for us. Can we design that? Do we have a local oh <laughs> signs goodness. designing company that could do something like that that you plug it in yeah, and, sure. and you just anyway. All right. Let's get to this email that we received. Um, and I, I want to take my time and just kind of address it. And then as we near the end of this segment and go into the next segment. Final segment, we'll open the phone lines, get your take on anything that we've talked about this week and including this response to the email. Okay, so this is how the email begins. It says, well, you said you were ready for the all caps responses to your remarks about uh, people aren't puppies. So um, mine will be metaphorical. So I guess she's not really using all caps, but she is checking me on my inconsistencies. So first of all, I'm, I'm reading the email here. 
First of all, I completely agree about how selfish and monstrous the attitude is of two men who didn't want the surrogate to adopt the premature baby or even allow it to be born. But, she writes, shame on you for trying to imply that their callousness has anything to do with their homosexuality. So I don't remember implying that. Um, When it comes down to talking about sin and sin proclivities, I just say straight out what I'm thinking on those issues uh, based on what I understand God's word to be saying. So I would never like tiptoe around that. I do think that obviously in many situations, and I'm going to stop here because I want to respond to that claim. Um, In many situations, we are looking at sin and wickedness that resides in the human heart. Whatever the particular manifestation of that is, the root of it is sin in the human heart. So the selfishness that existed in these two men is a selfishness that could exist in husband and wives like that are seeking to have a child by any means necessary. I thought that I made that clear. Uh, If there's any implication that there is something connected to the homosexual aspect of this, it would be also to bring into the picture that there is no balance in the nurture that would be present between these two men that you are dealing with two men. So you don't have on their side. And I didn't say this because I didn't see this as the focus, Mm -hmm. but I do think this right that you have. Two men, there is there is a reason that marriage is defined by God, and there are many reasons. This only one that I'm using here does not exclude all the others, okay? Mm-hmm. But there is a reason that it is male and female, and that male and female are made in the image of God. There is something in both of us, male and female, that is reflective of who God is. This is also in the way that we respond to situations. Now, I understand that we venture off into the realm of stereotypes, and that's not what I'm intending to do. But there is a biological reality that men and women are designed differently. And and due to that difference, there are ways that we think about issues that are different. Mm. And that is okay. That's good. Right. Mm -hmm. So I didn't touch on that yesterday. um, But being pressed to 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 touch on it today, that would be my response. So um, then the email continues. I'll go back to it. We all know that this type of tragic story occurs all the time with heterosexual married couples as well. I agree. I agree. And my rebuke of it, as as I called it, bitterly wicked, um, is not that it's limited to these two men because they are homosexuals. Mm -hmm. I think it really is a selfishness. It is a self-interested response that has no care either for the surrogate the womb that has been rented or for the child that is growing in that womb. Okay, back to the email. So you say, Miki, that, quote, just because you want a child doesn't mean you get to have one. Okay, I don't know if I've directly said it that way. I do say that just because we want children doesn't mean that we have a right to them, that we can make demands, that we have a right to have a child. So I'll I'll accept that. And then she does say in in parentheses that she's paraphrasing. Um, So she says, I fully remember... The show when you had Anne and Kendra from Hannah's Heart. So she's talking about Anne Cockrell and Kendra White, who are the co-hosts of Hannah's Heart, heard here on American Family Radio and also available via podcast, where they deal with issues of infertility and family and development and all of these things. Um, and so you can you can check that out. And she says, on your show, uh, you more or less told them that they should have accepted that God didn't open their wombs naturally. That is pulled out of whole cloth. I never once said anything even remotely close to that, that they should have just accepted God's will for them. Never, ever said that. I don't know where that came from. 
And I'm so certain of it because I went back and listened to the program. So when you make a claim like that, that can be actually qualified, right? I can actually go back and search and listen to that program. So I subjected myself to listening to myself to see if I actually said that to my sisters in the Lord. And I didn't. The closest I got to even that statement was asking a question. And the reason I asked that question was because I believe that kind of question is helpful also to our listeners who may be struggling with infertility and trying to wrestle with, okay, is God enough? Is God sufficient? Do I feel like there is something outside of the Lord that I need so that I could be satisfied? But here's what I want to do rather than have you take my word for it. I actually want to play that clip. So Will the Great, this is going to be clip two. Okay. So in this clip, this is where I set it up, and you'll hear this, where I ask Kendra a personal question. I was asking her a question. This was a question of, this was inquiry. I, I, want, to, I want to know how you um, came to terms with wrestling with what God's will is. If, what if I don't have a baby? This is what I was asking. Um, this is clip two. Kendra, let me ask you a personal question here and you can, you know, divulge whatever it is you feel comfortable. But I'm wondering if through this process, when you and your husband made the decision to pursue IVF and even researching and and, um, trying to pursue this in a way that was honoring um, of the Lord and his his righteous standard. Did you ever reach a place where you could say, you know, and even if not, Mm. and even if not. I trust him and he is sovereign. Oh, co- multiple times. I did it once and then I had to keep doing it again <laughs> and I had to keep doing it again. But yes, that was the ultimate aim. I think for me, um, I knew going into my marriage that um, there might be some difficulties for us. We didn't know until we were married, but my, my husband's a paraplegic. And so we knew that there might be some some trouble. And so when, when I said yes to him, I was saying, I, I really prayed about it because I knew I felt called to motherhood. That was something that God had laid on my heart. I just didn't know the how. Mm-hmm. That, you know, was it going to be through adoption or would God give mm-hmm. me a child? But when I said yes to my husband, I had to kind of preemptively <laughs> have that conversation with myself of, will I be obedient to the Lord to marry this man, even if, even if this doesn't result mm-hmm. in a biological child? And that was a process for me of yeah. dying to myself mm-hmm. and dying to my desires. Um, that honestly really helped once we did get into the actual process um, of knowing um, I do feel God's called me to be a mom and that he's called us to have a family. And it's now the burden is on God. So, so my aim there was to try to understand how someone struggling with um, infertility would reconcile trusting the sovereignty of God while also, um, availing herself of the advancements in medicine that would make it possible for her to carry a child. I think that was clear there. I never said you should have just accepted the sovereignty of God that you can't have children. Number one, that's callous. And I would never say something like that, let alone to an enemy, but certainly not to my sister and my friend who she falls into both of those categories. So I think sometimes people can just hear what they want to hear or can suggest something that they they thought they heard because mm. <laughs> it kind of comes back to the same point. That's what you wanted me to say. You wanted mm-hmm. me to be heartless. And that's just not how I operate. Certainly not. Man, not within the body of Christ. I never, my aim is never to operate with a heartless demeanor, even to non-believers. Although with non-believers who are hostile to the truth, openly hostile to the truth, I'm not curtsying to them. 
but within the body of Christ, man, I want to show the greatest care and, and love for them. So we're going to pick up with this on the other side of the break. Stay right there. I believe somebody's pulling strings. Don't start me. They want me to get the vaccine. They can't mark me. They got mad when I told them that sage is witchcraft, removing bad spirits with smoke like that. Get rid of that. It's crazy. I don't play them games with Satan. Nah, forcing things to happen ain't natural. That's just playing God. God. They trying to run me out the booth, persecuting me for telling the truth. They never knew. Nah. Somebody needs to go. And Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's, uh, the Friday edition on American Family Radio. We really do appreciate you listening all week long. I'm going to try to move quickly here because I recognize that we're in the last segment. And I do want to take. Uh, some of your calls, we were responding to an email, so I'll pick up with that in just a second. Let me just say, I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and it's Kyron the Light with Witchcraft Part 2. And, and Sweet Victory and J-Mac are on tap. I don't know if I said that in the first segment. I feel like I didn't, but they are on tap. And that's important because we couldn't be on tap if they were not. So, they're on tap. Um, they're on tap. Uh, let me go back to this email. So I was responding to this email. and just kind of taking it piece by piece. Um, I could have just read the email itself, but I thought I wanted to respond because that's the way I thought it through as I was reading it thinking about the claims that were being made and then my response to those claims. So um, this woman wrote in with the, having a problem with our yesterday's show, um, People Are Not Puppies. So I'm just going to pick up where I left off. She says, you're contradicting yourself right and left like evangelicals do. Mm. That's, that is the question that is, um, or that's the statement that raises a question in my mind as to whether or not I am talking to a sister or reasoning with a sister or Versus talking to someone who knows about the things of God has some sort of loose affinity um, or I, I don't know. And so those are just not the statements that, that I would see as like believers saying that's what evangelicals do. You know, so um, I could be wrong. But anyway, this is what she says. You're contradicting yourself. And then she says this. Monday, your contention was that, quote, children are precious, end quote, and that whether one likes or wants or can afford children, they should have them just because God says they are a blessing. Um, that's wrong again. Actually, um, I specifically said that our sentiments need to align with God's sentiments. We need to think and feel what God says, right? Like we need to agree with him when he speaks. And it's interesting because I actually specifically said, and I said, I don't mean for this to sound crude, but I specifically said, this doesn't mean that you turn into a baby making factory. <laughs> like, right. like that's, I specifically said that. Why? Because I think sometimes we think just the external product is what God is after. Like, So you can look the part, you can look like you have the sentiment. But what I was trying to communicate is that we must agree with God as he has revealed himself to us in his word. He's revealed to us his his thoughts on morality, if you will. And that sounds so elementary to even say it that way. But my aim is that we would agree with God um, at the core of my position. The issue is that what we as believers are doing is trying to get as close to God's word as possible. That's what our aim is, right? Of course, we're going to be stumbling in many ways. Of course, there are going to be things that we miss or we don't have great clarity on. But the aim in the heart is, how do I get as close to God's word as possible? Okay, back to the email. I've heard you say before that gay couples should not be allowed to foster or adopt children because, quote, that's not God's design for family. Yet when an unmarried, low-income, or underage woman becomes pregnant against her will and wants to terminate the pregnancy, suddenly that doesn't matter. So let me respond to that. First of all, I think as many of our listeners can hear just in the writing, there is a tone there that says that murdering a baby should be an option for 
based on the circumstance. So mm-hmm. if the child is going to be born into a, cert- a situation that is not ideal, then the person should have the option of abortion. And every Christian su- should celebrate that. Right mm-hmm. now, what she's using is my position that God has designed the family. God. Has- I think you cut out again. Let's see if she comes back. <laughs> Just- she cut out again. Did I cut out again? Yeah. Ah, that's so frustrating. Okay. So she's using. <laughs> He's still is conceived in a circumstance that's not ideal. Is say, it really bad? say that one more time. That last thing. Okay. Okay. So this person is using my position that God has designed the family. Um, to, she's using that position to say that I should be pro-abortion when a child cannot be born into that situation, born mm-hmm. into that ideal um, family and the ideal remember is not mine I think that's what is important to note that the family design is God's idea mm-hmm. is this is God's concept so when I say ideal I don't mean like oh if we can manage it I mean this is what God has said this is from the mind of God this is what God has um, portrayed for us as the picture of family so um, I think it is also important to note that when we say a loving family, when we're talking about homosexuals, we make an emotion the definition of what a family is. A family is not just the emotional expression of feelings of love. It's what God had in mind for the family. So when we come across a circumstance or a situation where a girl has been violated and that results in pregnancy, that is not to say, all of a sudden that God's design, we just have to put that, oh, I don't, we can't think about God's, no, God's design, God's idea for family and what that is remains intact. What we see now is a violation of God's moral standard in that this girl was raped, in that she was, she was left in a situation, but the baby does not deserve to be murdered because of that. Right. That's, that is not going to be how you, um, how you remedy that, that situation. So what you end up with, and please understand that to compare uh, homosexuals who want to adopt or foster children or use a surrogate to a girl who has been violated and now there's a pregnancy that results from that, to compare those two things are two totally separate things. Because in one situation, what we're talking about is we're talking about a rescue mission. We're talking about a rescue mission. So when you've got children who are here who need families, we want those children to be rescued. But do we say, well, out of the frying pan into the fire? Mm. So we, we want them to be adopted into what? Into chaos and into known dysfunction. We want them to go into a situation where they do not have a family because that is not a family. That is not God's biblical definition of what a family is. Now I understand this and man, I, I got to move here, but there would be people who would make the case. Well, what about single women who would adopt children? I would say this, the ideal situation for a child to be adopted into would be a husband and a wife. Why? Because it is God's design. And because even anecdotally, even statistically, it is proven that that's the best outcome for children. However, let me say this because there'd be people who would say, well, what's the difference between the single woman who wants to undergo the in vitro fertilization? And she just by herself wants to have a child. Again, two different scenarios. One, you are creating a life to bring into dysfunction. You are creating a life to bring into a situation where you do not have God's ideal for a family. This is what God has designed Two, there is a rescue mission. So you've got a single woman who says, man, I can I can 
give a home to a kid. Again, that is not ideal, but it is a rescue mission. And here's the difference. The difference is that you would presume this woman who happens to be single is still going to hold up God's standard for what a family is. Mm. She is still going to say that marriage is between one man and one woman. I happen to not be married, but I've got a lot of resources and I've got a home where I can give kids a home. But she is not going to defy God's standard for marriage. Yeah. That matters. That matters. And that may not matter to a lot of people, but that matters to me. So let me quickly get to this, and I'll open the phone lines, 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Back to the email. When a loving gay couple wants to provide a home to a child uh, no one has adopted, you champion agencies like Catholic Charities who refuse to allow them to do so. Yeah, better that the child should languish in foster care than to be taken into a loving home, right? Okay, no, wrong. Actually, that's that's wrong again. What I am saying is that God has a design for family. I don't want children to suffer. I don't want children to languish in foster care, but I also don't want them to suffer and languish in what God has called abominable. What what distorts the picture of what marriage is. So I think we have to understand Whose definitions are we working with and what is the goal and what is the outcome? And this is this is where when you're having this conversation with a Christian, it makes a difference because we agree that we're trying to get to God's standard. When you're having this conversation with a Christian, you agree that God's standard is good and right and true and should be adhered to. Last point here, she says, and to your point of just because you want a child doesn't mean that you get to have one. And God is sovereign. This is what she says. Wouldn't it logically follow that the baby born at 24 weeks gestation whose twin sister died should not have had extra measures taken to preserve his life? Isn't God in charge of that? Now, that's a sad uh, comparison to make there. And I'll tell you why, because it shows a lack of understanding the moral um, compass, for lack of a better word, of God showing God's morality that God has determined what is just, what is good, what is right, and what is true. And when we act in agreement, meaning that we try to save life rather than take it, we are not acting against God. We agree that God is sovereign. It's, for example, you think of a person who is difference. What is the difference between the person who runs up to this person and grabs him and pulls him back over the side of the bridge versus the person who runs up and pushes him over? Well, you want to die than the other. And why is that? Because God has made himself known to us. He has revealed to us what his moral and righteous standard is. We know it. The Bible says in Romans chapter one, that we suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So because we behave unrighteously, we try to keep truth down, right? We don't want to be convicted by the reality of what God has made known to us in our heart. But the truth is this, we know that it is better for the person who runs up to pull the other person back from the bridge than it is for the person who runs up and pushes him over. Why? Because we know instinctively this, this, this is why we, we are unable to deny the reality of who God is. God has built this within us. He's made this known to us from within. We know that saving life is better than taking life. That's why our, and that's why we have hospitals. That's why we have emergency responders. There is something wired in us by God that we understand that to save life, to rescue is better than to take or just, mm, well, God's sovereign, just let him go. Yes, we understand that God is sovereign. We understand that in his sovereignty, that he's allowed for the, there to be these advances whereby we might save someone's life, where we, whereby we might protect their life. Why do we have an instinct to do that? Well, it comes from God's law. 
It comes from the knowledge of who God is that's written on our hearts. All of us are without excuse. Now, there's more that I have to say about this, uh, but she ends the email by saying hypocrisy. Thy name is evangelical, which is a play off one of the shows that we did in the past. I think that's clever. Um, But I just want to say what we're trying to do when we have these discussions is get super close to the word of God, as close to God's word as we possibly can. And that starts by agreeing that we should aim to get close to God's word. All right, let's try to squeeze in as many calls as we can. I know we're not going to get as many as I would like. Will the Great, where do we go first? All right, let's go to Janet in Louisiana. Hi, Janet. Hi, Will. And and uh, I just can't say your name right now, but I listen That's to your okay. show every day. <laughs> and I, I, I enjoy listening at 90... Uh, one of uh, 91.7 and 104 FM. This is in Alexandria, but I okay. live in Pineville. As children of God, that Bible speaks plain as day. It says that we are not to have sex out of marriage. Mm-hmm. That says it all. And yes, if right. you really have given your life over to God and you read the word, the Bible says it's better obedient is better than sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Mm. And women got to stop laying down and thinking they're going to have a baby and, and, and going to make the man take care of it. No, you can't make a man take care of the baby because you, 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 you went along to do it. So your woman going to always be responsible. I got pregnant in 72. I met this dude in 71. And my dad said, God will forgive you, Jeanette. So I I know that he forgave me, and I did it again and again, but finally in 11, living with men and not married, when my daddy told me I was homongering, I finally accepted that God, what I was doing, I wasn't living before God. Mm-hmm. So now I'm a sing. I live by myself. I have a son, 50, 134, and, and being a single mother, my oldest son is a computer analysis. And my youngest one, he's computer, but he couldn't get the GED. Hey, so you he know, Jeanette, Jeanette, let me just jump in. I'm sorry. I really hate to cut you off, but I, I think that you're making an incredible point here that living by God's standard on the front end reduces the propensity that we have to sin further. Right. right. So like so often what you find is you find women who are in a crisis situation. But God, this goes back to the point that God's standard is best. I want to say glory to God, too, for your dad who loved you enough to interrupt you in your sin and to say, Hey, it's sin. You can't keep living like this. Let's try to squeeze in one more call. Will the great, where do we go? Uh, Tina in uh, Tennessee. Hi, Tina. Hello there. I just wanted to say God bless you both for standing forth for the truth and answering this email with such grace um, and still holding the line. And I just want to say, I thank God for your ministry. Oh, Oh, God bless you. you. Thank you. That is so encouragement. Can we, so encouragement, so encouraging. <laughs> this is when you're trying to talk and write and, and, and monitor the music and all of that. Man, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to get to another call. I wouldn't want to upset someone by saying, make your profound point in 30 seconds. I want to say this, though. As we engage the culture, we really do have to examine our hearts. When I read this email, my first thought was like, no, that's not at all what I'm saying. And then I thought, you know, wow. Are we trying? Are we Christians here? Are we trying to get back to God's standard? Are we trying to live according to God's holy word? I think that has huge bearing on the way we navigate these issues. We're not going to get them perfectly. And we live in a fallen world where we have to kind of figure out, okay, where do we stand on this? But I think the enduring position is 
the word of God. Until Monday, Lord willing. God bless.